Blog Talk Radio. It's kind of easy when you listen to the G-Dub sound. Pioneer speaker pumper, now the smoke on the pound. I got the sound for your ass and it's easy to see. That this DJ, D-Warren G, can I get in where I'm sitting? Sitting, listen, let me conversate. Welcome on a Wednesday, taking it back old school with uh, Warren G, this DJ, uh, coming to you. Our schedule's been a little bit wonky lately, but uh, we're still producing uh, loads of uh, content for you guys. How we how we doing today, Sam? Oh, we're hitting midweek, man. So a couple more days in the weekends here, so, you know. It's hump day, man. And uh, I got to tell you, I read a story over the weekend and it's probably not going to be uh, – it's going to be several months before this guy is humping again. But the uh, the Finnish skier who had a frozen penis during the Olympics, um, I don't know if you saw about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I wonder if that hot dog is going to have any freezer burn or not. <laughs> probably. Pro- I mean, what does that feel like? What does a frozen penis feel like? I, I, I just I, – I don't even know. He said the worst part was when he started to warm up, that the pain was unbearable. Why are you letting your penis get frozen in the first place is what I'd like to know. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe he was, uh, you know, he decided to to, to kind of extricate himself while he was skiing and it froze. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, do you think he's free-balling it? Do you think he's going commando in, in, in the sub-zero temperature? Oh, man, he's going to need some of those hand warmers to, to thaw out that one. Oh, God. I, I would be like, if I even felt, if I was in a race, gold medal be damned. If I even so when you defrost it, is it actually cooking a hot dog at that point, or what? I think so. I think it's more like, yeah, it's more like defrosting a hot dog out of the deep freezer. But, yeah, I think that's, yeah, you're it's close enough. It's close. <laughs> it's just, I've never heard of a thing. I need, like. I mean, what if they have to amputate, though? That's my question, because you hear about, like, frostbite, and I'm assuming if your penis is frozen, that, I mean, I... Frostbite frostbite is, is, is pretty bad. Frostbite means, you know, you'll be losing the use of it for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but it, it, I guess it wasn't frostbite. It was just frozen. This, is, this isn't the first time. It's the second time this has happened to him. Second time, he needs to pick a different job, man. If yeah, he wants a livelihood, he needs to pick a different job. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't like, you know, sex that much. I, I don't know, but I, I don't. I, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to risk it. I, I'm, you're not going to catch me out there in freezing cold temperatures, um, you know, with thin layers of clothing on, where the uh, possibility that my penis might freeze is, is, is in question. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. I definitely wouldn't put myself voluntarily do that, but I mean, I don't know what this guy is thinking. Like, if it's happened to him before, he should have taken the 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 precautions before attempting it again. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, man. So we got a lot to talk about. I've actually been pretty excited all day about uh, jumping on here and discussing uh, a lot of stuff here. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, man, was the. Uh, Jawan Howard's situation there at uh, Michigan. Uh, he was in the handshake line uh, with Greg Gard, uh, head coach of Wisconsin. Apparently, um, Howard didn't take too kindly to uh, the fact that Wisconsin, who was already up pretty big, uh, was calling timeouts down the stretch. Uh, and then, I, I guess, you know, somebody from the, one of the assistant coaches put his hands on uh, – uh, Juwan and, and he slapped him open-handed, and uh, yeah, it was a pimp slap, man. A little bit of a pimp slap, and I guess so. Now he's suspended for the rest of the regular season. I think that's like five or six games. What do you think, man? What are they on the bubble? Aren't they like fourteen and eleven? Aren't they like right on the bubble to like kind of make the tournament or maybe? Yeah, like... they're right on the bubble. This has been a bad season. I mean, last year Michigan was like twenty-five and eight, and they made the Elite Eight. This year it's been a hugely disappointing season for Michigan. But I, I don't do you was severe enough or not severe enough? I think um, any sort of like violence contact of any physical any kind of physical contact. During the game, after the game, before the game, it doesn't make sense because 
it's not just the players that are, you know, amped up on, you know, uh, adrenaline and everything else from the game and, you know, uh, just wanting to win and emotions are running high. People make mistakes. You have very little room for error, you know, when it comes to things like that. Like one thing can just be like almost like an incitement to something else, right? So um, I, I think it, the, the punishment is not um, as uh, it, it should be more severe because two of his players are suspended a game, uh, one of them for unloading a punch on someone, um, and the other one I, I wasn't quite sure. But, you know, and I think there's a, a Wisconsin player that was also suspended a game. But, you know, it could have been a whole lot worse, you know. Because, like, what they, is, they could have been handing out suspensions, like, down the line because if the entire team got involved, it would be a bit problem. Or what if the fans got involved? It was at Wisconsin. Right, because they were really close. They were close enough to the bench where, you know, a, a, a crazy – uh, a fan or like a very you know um, passionate fan just happens to wander and then all of a sudden gets mixed up into a scuffle and you're looking at like a mini mouse in the palace part too you know yeah for real I mean here's my biggest problem with Howard and this is the first time last year during the Big Ten tournament uh, he got into a shouting match with Maryland's coach. And then they exchanged the words, and Howard began walking towards Turgeon, who was Mark Turgeon, who was the Maryland head coach. And then Howard needed to be held back by his assistant coaches. My, the, the biggest thing for me is you're the head coach. You are setting an example. Exactly. I was, gonna, I was just going to say that you're setting such a terrible example for the kids. Yeah. Such and a terrible example. Like, if these guys get into a fight on the court, they're going to be like, just like, well, you what? My head coach does it all the time. So I, I yeah. think when you are the leader, you have to be held to a higher standard. He's not a young kid anymore. Jawan Howard's like, what, 45 years old? You know, like. Yeah, he needs to grow up a bit. Definitely agree with that. He's probably even older than 45 because this dude was playing college basketball in like 1993, and I'm almost 40. And Jawan Howard has to be. He's 49 years old. This dude is almost 50. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I, I don't know. I was rooting for Juwan Howard. I like. I thought it was a good story. Him going back to his alma mater, being the head coach. But man, I, to me, I thought the suspension was a little bit too light. But I, if I'm Michigan, I'm telling them, look, dude, this is you're on a last chance policy here. But you're making a habit of it, right? So you have last year's incident, then you have this year, and now. You know, you're, at some point it's going to start hindering um, recruits on coming on, right, coming to a campus. You know, you're looking at your star recruits. They no longer will look at Michigan because, I mean, if you're, you're, you're as good as, the you know, the team that you lead, right? So if you have a shit coach, then, you know, I'm sorry, you're not going to have people wanting to play for you, right? That or if I'm a parent and I'm sending my kid to go be with you, I'm, I'm looking at what kind of example are you setting for my child who's about to sign with you. And granted, if you're really good, you're probably only going to stay a year and go to the NBA. But there's some kids who need to develop who are who will be good, but they need to be in college for two or three years. Not well, let's, let's not even look at the – I mean, let's go even outside that one step further. Then, then you have a group of, of players that are there to get their academics, right? So they're there on a, on a scholarship, and all of a sudden you're inciting them to fight and they could be losing their scholarship because they they got involved in a fight, and all of a sudden now that they're out of a, a degree, they're, they had no shot at the NBA or you know any of the smaller leagues or G leagues or whatever. But they've now lost their you know they've lost yeah. their academic piece of it too. It's just you know it's an embarrassment, especially for a prestigious university like the University of Michigan. So you just you hate to see that, but. You know, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Big Ten tournament, and if the Michigan makes the NCAA tournament, how things play out. But this is just it's a it's a black eye for the school. Uh, so if they make the tournament and the season ends, he's technically allowed to be back. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. He can coach for the Big Ten tournament. He just can't coach the rest of the regular season games. Just five. Games. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so some interesting stuff coming out. Um, I'm sure you heard J.J. Reddick's comments about Zion Williamson, how he's kind of a detached teammate 
Uh, apparently he hasn't been to a practice or a shoot-around since early December. And when the Pelicans sent out their email for season ticket holders, uh, Zion Williamson wasn't mentioned. It seems to me that he's on his way out or he wants to be on his way out. What, what do you make of the whole Zion situation? It's a really bad look for the Pelicans as an organization because now you have star number two who's forcing their way out. You know, um, previously Anthony Davis, right? Um, and now you have Zion who's trying to force him, him, himself out over the organization off the team. I, um, I, I watched a clip. Uh, this was like probably 10 years ago. And um, there was, I think it was Ahmad Rashad interviewing Michael Jordan. And they were asking him, you know, the younger players. And, yeah. and he's just like, you know, um, these guys, you know, they're being paid on possible potential. So sure. when they're getting paid on possible potential, they don't want to work as hard. They don't want to get an, to that level. And they they don't want to hit that full potential mark where they, they, they want to hit. So he, his saying was that these younger guys, like, not not saying that you don't pay them, but they have to earn their accolades almost, you know. Um, you have to be able to play 82 games in a season. Um, you have to be able to, uh, you know, hit your all-NBA marks if you're a star of that sort, right? Um, things of that nature. So, like, Zaya now and with the Pelicans, he's definitely in line for a, a contract. That, that's the other thing, right? So Zion's in line for a contract now. Right. This is just his third year in the league. Yeah, but uh, uh, NBA players have two years, I believe, and then the third of – I'm not sure. I, I, it's a little different than the NFL. There's no fifth year and things of that nature. So, you know, Zion is on the, on the mark to get now get paid. I believe – I'm pretty sure it's year three. So they have him for two years um, on their on their contract. But – Zion, he should be get come nearing up to getting paid. So, I don't know if he wants to stay, you know, with the Pelicans well, long term. I'd say, fuck him, man. I don't want you either. Get your bloated ass out of here. Listen, he barely... Someone said it best. It looks like Shaq and Charles Barkley had a baby. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, you got this dude who barely played his rookie year, right? Barely played his rookie year. He played a total... Uh, 24 games his rookie year. Then he played 61 games last year. 61. And he hasn't played. And the 61 that he played, everyone was just like, oh, wow, well, what a transcendental player, and this and that, the other. And it, he still missed 20, 21 games, right? You know, um, he, he still missed. He hasn't played at all this year. Right, and, and he still. Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I'm saying he, he didn't play those 21 games, and they were like, oh, well, he's shown that he has durability now that he's played. No, playing 60 games does not show durability, dude. Not at all. You have to play 82 games, like, one, two, three years in a row to start showing, like, oh, yeah, well, this guy is, is durable. Yeah. You know, he's sure. taking care of his body. He's doing the right thing. You know, and, and you have players that are, like, phenomenal athletes, like your Joel Embiid's and, your Dwight Howard and early in their careers because their diets were so poor, they were missing games. If you yeah. remember, like there was a running joke with trusting the process, man, this guy was out more often than not, you know, all the time, man. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, so, I mean, that has, has to take a role. It has to play a role in, 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 you know, and it doesn't help that New Orleans is a, it's, it's a food town, man. I mean, Zion likes to eat. Obviously you could tell, right? The yeah. guy's big. Sure. Too sure. big for his height. So, but but at the same time, like I don't think if I'm New, if I'm New Orleans, I'm not taking blame for this shit. I'm really not because you can say, oh well, they haven't. You know, Anthony Davis wanted out. Anthony Davis at least was there, I believe, for like six years and and went to one he playoff. He he was, but he was also injured there too. But you know, he went to one playoff series. You know, and they didn't do enough to put talent around him. I'm looking at the Pelicans, and they got Brandon Ingram. They got. They just went out and got C.J. McCollum. They got uh, Devontae Graham. They got some good players. And Zion has played one season. One season, because I'm not even going to count his rookie year. Playing 24 games does not count. It doesn't count. He played 61 last year, and the Pelicans weren't that good. They, they had uh, Stan Van Gundy last year, and they, they weren't very good as, as a team. And I'm like, 
If I'm New Orleans, I'm like, well, how the fuck do you know that we're not doing enough to put anything around you because you're not playing, man? You're not playing. And he is one of these entitled new era dudes doesn't want to – that you mentioned, but that doesn't want to work hard. James Harden, the moment things get tough, he's out. Peace out. I'm gone. Peace up, eight times down. I'm out. Zion Williamson, same thing. LeBron James, oh, uh, I, I, you know, I brought in the wrong people, and now the front office doesn't want to bend up my will, and so I, I think I'm going to leave L.A. now, and I think I'm going to go somewhere else. And, and the list goes on and on and on and on of these types of dudes. And that's why I think Giannis, that's why with Giannis staying in Milwaukee and, and winning the chip for Milwaukee is like a big thing for the culture, yeah. for the kids to build a role model around. Um, and Steph Curry too. And Steph Curry too, exactly. So like we were talking earlier in the day, Steph Curry spent his entire career there. He was losing when he got there with Mark Jackson. Yeah. And then he started winning and he was doing well. And then he got hurt and he started losing. And now the the team is different because you have completely different players. You have players that are coming back off of major injuries, and he's primed with the assets that the that the team has, with the talent they've surrounded him with, with currently, like right now, yeah. he's primed to to retire. You know, at the time that he does, I think he's thirty three or thirty four right now. I'm not sure. Probably but, got like three or four good years left. Exactly, and that's extended. And maybe it might have been two. You know, if they gave him a really crap team where he had to play every, every you know, play, like every run, almost run all the plays, take all the shots, do what he, you know, before. If he had to play at that pace, it would be different. He would wear down his body quicker. But now he can kind of, he can play it at his, at his own pace. He can, he can retire gracefully, really. And not only that, he sat there. He could have been like LeBron and been like, look, I, we just came off, what, four straight finals appearances. We won two championships, or three championships. Maybe it was five, because they, they lost to the Cavs one year. Then they beat the Cavs with Durant. They beat the Cavs before Durant. And then they lost to the Raptors. So I think it was five straight finals. Then it blew up. Durant was gone. Clay Thompson was hurt. The Warriors were not very good for two years. They made some really shrewd draft picks. They developed guys. And they got a young team, but they also got Clay Thompson back. But then they got guys like Jordan Poole, and they got guys like Kaminga. Andrew Wiggins has completely changed his career after going to Golden State. 100%. So, now, I, talked, I, I, I mentioned this to you earlier today, too, is, hey, what if the Pelicans go ahead and trade Zion Williamson? And so Zion Williamson's contract is not that high. It's $13.5 million for next year. He's got a team option. You trade him to the Warriors. And in return, you get rid of James Wiseman, okay? Maybe you get rid of Kuminga or you get rid of Moses Moody and Juan Toscano Anderson and some picks. Are the Pelicans saying No. They better not. I, I think. I think if they want. It, so uh, I th- again, it goes back to their Anthony Davis scenario, right? Where they were desperate to get something in return instead yeah. of having him just walk away for nothing. So they got and Lonzo Ball, but then they let Lonzo Ball go, which I thought was a mistake. But so be yeah, it. big mistake. Big mistake. But they got Ingram in return. You're not going to get a dollar for a dollar. You're just not, right? Because that's just the way it's going to go. But if the Warriors gave yeah, up. Yeah, like they can't expect like Clay Thompson for Zion or something. I don't know. Not even Clay. Clay's kind of hurt and stuff. But like you can't go a star for a star, really. Right, right. But if they go, hey, we're going to throw in Kaminga, we're going to give you James Wiseman, and we're going to give you Ron Toscano Anderson. Plus, we're going to throw in our first round pick in 2022 that's unprotected. And we're going to throw in a 2026 top eight protected pick for the Pelicans, plus maybe a second rounder throw it over to the Pelicans. You've now got two first round picks. You got young guys, mind you, in Wiseman, who's 20, Connor Anderson, old, 
or older. He's 28. But Kaminga's 19. And now the Warriors now pair 21-year-old Zion Williamson with Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. Plus, you still got Jordan Poole and Moses Moody. That's a solid squad. Yeah. Solid, solid. Very good. But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's one of those things where I just uh, I feel like it's just it's a little annoying uh, that Zion, who hasn't hardly played, is, is already forcing his way out. And, and it makes it look even worse by the fact that if you, if you look at his draft class, what's John Morant doing with Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies? Right, what exactly? What's Darius Garland doing in Cleveland? He's an all star this year. All star. Cleveland's in the playoff hunt. Memphis is a favorite to possibly get to the finals. They have what the third or fourth best record in the league right now. Then you look at some other guys who haven't gotten the uh, same love, but they're up and coming. You got Matisse Tybel, right? You have Jordan Poole. And that and, and that were drafted later in the first round. What, it was a little bit of a weak draft class. Like Zion was the crown jewel, right? Well, Zion and Ja were ja, right. the top two. And Ja, honestly, I, in my opinion, he's better than Zion Williamson, hundred percent. Oh no, I agree too. Availability, I think, is the best ability first to start it. For sure, to be available. And so, you know, we talked about that, and uh, we talked about, you know, these players. So, I mean, look, McCollum and Lillard at two guards on yeah. a, on a West team, just like New Orleans is in the West, right? Um, yeah. They were able to stay relevant with defensive lapses, right, in their in their roster. They were able to stay relevant for many years, right, for many years. Um, there's no reason why Zion and McCollum couldn't try to do the same thing, but I don't think Zion wants to. He doesn't. He doesn't. But I think that Pelicans team with the right coaching with Ingram and Zion and CJ McCollum, I honestly, and then you you look at, they got Giannis Valanciunas, they got Devontae Graham, they got Jackson Hayes and Larry Nance Jr. It's not a bad team. A couple of young pieces, right? Are they a top four team in the West? They still have Josh Hart, don't they? No, they traded Josh Hart to the Trailblazers oh. deal, yeah. So, I don't know, man. You know, I just, uh, yeah, we'll see. But I, I, I feel personally for New Orleans, and I feel for some of these franchises. It's like, man, we got the number one pick, we got the guy. But are they going to try to force their way out after one or two years if they're not, if they don't like the city? I think that's the problem with like that's the problem with these picks going to teams that. Like your Carl Anthony Towns before Minnesota started showing some life, like the last two years, he was talking the same way too that he wanted to be out, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I feel like these players have to give at least the team that drafted them five or six seasons to try to show that they're moving in the right direction. See, and, Zion, and in this one and done era, you can do that. You're young enough to do that at that point, right? You can well, you can totally pick up the next contract and still make money, still make your money. Yeah, dude, if you're coming to the league at 19-20, right? We, we talked about this earlier today when we were doing some prep for the show. You Let's say you come to the league at 20. And, and usually for an NBA guy, for us to really know, hey, is this guy any good? It's three to four seasons max, typically, right? Like, yeah, there's certain guys, your LeBron Jameses, and a few others where it's like you just know they're great. Some guys, like your Jimmy Butlers, your Giannis Antetokounmpo's, uh, you know, even like a Paul George, you didn't really know how good they were going to be for about three seasons or so. And a lot of these guys that are young are the same way. You don't know how good they're going to be until about two or three seasons in. And they might show glimpses, but it's usually a couple seasons in. And I I don't know. And when Zion's not playing, how can the Pelicans know exactly what they need in order to make the team better? 
I, I think organizations just in general are trying to, to make their, you know, their teams better, but it's always a toss-up, right? Yeah. You never know who you're going to get and what kind of personality you're going to get. Um, all right. So I was going to bash on LeBron a little bit more because uh, Nick Wright had a whole love fest for him earlier today, and I didn't want to talk about it, and I didn't want to hear Nick Wright speak. But um, I, I do um, – I don't know. Uh, before we go on to our next segment, I just wanted to ask you. So I heard an audio clip earlier uh, today of Jerry Krause, who, who passed away, but this is from like four years ago. And Jerry Krause was on a podcast. Uh, and there, this was when LeBron was leaving uh, leaving Cleveland around that time. He's going to leave Cleveland to go to L.A. So this was like 2017 or 2018. And he he said straight up, Michael Jordan and, – and you know Jerry Krause and Michael Jordan don't like each other. There's no love lost there. But Jerry Krause said, Michael never came to me and told me, hey, draft this player or, hey, make this trade. Go get this guy. And, and, and Jerry Krause said because Michael knew he was good enough to win with whoever the fuck we gave him. And, and honestly, he didn't try to put on that GM hat, right? Right. Um, he didn't try to say, hey, listen, the most he may have done was, you know, to kind of sort of show his displeasure, you know, um, when Oakley was traded and, um, you know, some of his other pieces were traded. He showed his, his, his emotions, but he's there to play basketball. The GM's there to be a GM, right? He right. is a player. He will do his best for his team and do, you know, play to his best ability. The GM hopefully will also put him in the position to win. Right. And here's the other thing about Jordan. Yes, he had an all-time great teammate in Scottie Pippen, especially in the first run. But there was good players there, John Paxson, B.J. Armstrong, Horace Grant. They were all good players. None of them are Hall of Fame players. They were solid players. Now, on the second run, on the second repeat, you give him Rodman, who was a excellent defender, fantastic rebounder, not much of a score. But LeBron James, until he left Cleveland, he had only been to one finals, which he got swept by the Spurs. Then he went and got two All-Stars in their prime. And an MVP, and not, not, just an, not just an All-Star, Dwayne Wade was an MVP-type player. And he only won two championships in Miami. Yeah, Dwayne Wade was, was probably... Um, I'd say top five. Top well, yeah. Dwayne Wade's probably the number three top two seven. Yeah, like yeah, Kobe top. and behind Jordan. Right. And, yeah. and and Dwayne Wade was an MVP caliber player. They won two championships there. Two. Then he goes to Cleveland, and he's like, I can't win with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh anymore. So I'm going to go to Cleveland. Now I'm going to make you trade Andrew Wiggins. We're going to get Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. And he won one championship. And, yeah, he went to all the finals. Great. Went to all these finals. Won one championship. Kyrie and Kevin Love, he got younger. Still only won one championship. Goes to L.A. They trade all the young talent to get Anthony Davis. And they only won that championship because of the bubble and because of COVID. And that's got a giant asterisk next to it for me because he got three months from the time the regular season ended to the playoffs started. Three months. That's an entire off season because – if you make it to the finals, your season ends in June, and then you start training camp in September, and the regular season starts in October. So July, August, September, uh, and then and then bam, you're back at it. Had the same amount of time between the last game of the regular season and before the bubble started. Jordan only had – imagine if you gave Jordan a guy – and Pippen was fantastic, and I'm not taking anything away from Pippen. But Pippen, by himself, wasn't an MVP caliber player. Or would you disagree with that sentiment? I think Pippen could have been, but by the time he was asked to take the number one spot, he was a little bit older, a lot older, in my opinion. Um, if he had been developed differently, it's definitely possible. He had all the tools to do that. Like, I was watching a game from 94 in um, the playoffs against the Knicks. His stat line was something like 38, 12 rebounds, nine assists, four steals, and three blocks. 
okay. on like on like fifty eight percent shooting. Like it, it was insane. Like he could put up numbers, but yes, he was not a number one by himself. Coach Jordan just went, "Hey, Hakeem, you know, we want we want to link up and and run like five in a row." Or or Charles Barkley. Or Charles Barkley. Or there's so many greats in that era where he could have gone to David Robinson. He could have gone, and that those are bona fide stars, right? Those are those are made stars, stars that have proven their worth, played year in year out, all stars, MVP candidates, so on and so forth. Yes, my, I mean you know, Bosch maybe wasn't at the level of Charles Barkley. That might be a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's a little unfair uh, to say. Um, you know. No, but... he could have. No, okay. Let's let's take just Dwayne Wade then as the only. Superstar, megastar, right? Okay. <clears throat> he could have joined up with one other megastar and done the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, but Bosch. Here's the thing: Bosch was an all-star. He was an all. He made Chris Bosch in his entire career was a was an eleven-time NBA All-Star, All NBA Second Team, All NBA Rookie First Team. He was an eleven-time NBA All-Star. So. No, 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 I'm not taking anything away from it. Like, what I'm saying is that, like, what if Jordan just, instead of Jordan going to another team, said, hey, Hakeem, why don't you join up with me and Scotty and let's just take this, you know, for a run? Well, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have lost. Or even if you say, Sean Kemp, come, come over to us and you, me, and Scotty will run it. I don't think the Bulls would have lost they barely would have lost. Is if Jordan got if Jordan basically had another all star like near top tier guy join him in that first run, they never would have lost. And then in the second time you got Dennis Rodman. And and you saw they won the record for most games, seventy two and ten. But let's let's not forget, like LeBron has, has gone out and gotten players to join him and or joined other players on more than one occasion in his career. So, like, yeah. there's no, no nobody saying that for the second three, Pete, you can't go out and grab an, a little bit more of an aging star at that point and right. say, hey, Carl Malone, you know, before you hit your MVP, MVP the second year, before you do that, you know, something like you never know. Like, I'm not saying that that it's, it's something that's possible, but, like, if this swapping of stars and teaming up and all, and all that was available to Michael Jordan in the 90s, I don't think – He's 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 winning every single championship from year one, from like the beginning of the era to the end of that. Yeah, right. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. All right, we've spent a lot of time on basketball. <laughs> we only have twenty five minutes left in the show, so let's. Uh, I want to uh, get to some some of these. Uh, some of this is old news, but we you know we, we didn't do we haven't been on a lot recently because of a lot of things going on in our lives, but. Uh, Richard Sherman made a very compelling argument against Matthew Stafford. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was swayed because when I initially, when I saw Stafford win the, win the Super Bowl, I was like, oh, with all of his accolades and everything else, he's, he's a lock. I didn't know he had such a lack of accolades. This dude, Matthew Stafford, now – Richard Sherman is like, look, man, yeah, I get it. He won his Super Bowl. Good for him. But Richard Sherman said he's never been a part of an all-decade team. He's never been on a, on a – he's never won an MVP. In fact, Matthew Stafford never even finished in the top ten for an MVP. And he's only been to one Pro Bowl. One Pro Bowl. And I looked at all this. I'm like, you know what? Richard's right. Stafford's not a Hall of Famer. He doesn't have a Hall of Fame resume. And I, you know, I want to get your take on that. I have to agree. Hall of Fame is so casually thrown around now nowadays um, that uh, it's kind of taken away from the importance of what it stands for. So, a Hall of Fame career is, um, you know, playing at the highest level, the the excellence, you know, uh, you know possible level, being in like the top three in your category, in your position for year after year after year. You have Pro Bowls, you have uh, you know, the stats, the yardage, the com- completion percentage for quarterbacks, things of that nature 
all attribute at, into whether you will make the Hall of Fame or not. This, like, winning a Super Bowl ring happens to be weighing in your favor. You know, oh. if you happen to have a Super Bowl ring along with those 10 Pro Bowls, your 70,000 yards and everything else, you know, you have all that good stuff, that ring puts you over the top. I believe that. But he doesn't have all that other stuff behind it, right? Unless he gains it from now until when he retires, I don't yeah. say he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Let me give you a name of somebody who no one talks about going to the Hall of Fame, okay? He's not even mentioned for this. But let me tell you, before I tell you the name, I'm going to tell you his stats. He finished second in the MVP voting once to one, two, three, four, five. He went to six Pro Bowls. And he made one Super Bowl, but he lost it. Is it Dan Fouts? No. Dan Fouts is all the same. Donovan McNabb. Oh. He's in the hall? He's not. Nobody oh, talks. he's not. Nobody, that's what I'm saying. Nobody talks or makes a case for Donovan McNabb. But he finished second in the MVP voting in 2000. He was a six-time Pro Bowler. Matthew Stafford has been the one Pro Bowl, and he's never had a top He's never had a top 10 finish for the MVP, ever. In his entire career, he has never finished in the top 10 for MVP. Yeah, well, I mean, you also have to look at the timeline in which McNabb came, right? So mobile quarterbacks weren't the thing when he came around, right? They were just becoming the thing, right? Um, Mike Vick kind of came a little bit later after Don Donovan, right? And he kind of changed the way that quarterbacks are looked at, right? But I, I, yeah, I think when you look at player up players like that, um, uh, I, when you look at players like that, I think that you also have to look at their college collegiate career as well. But because he had a stellar career at Syracuse, and he played he all did. four years. What I'm saying, my point is, he has more Pro Bowls than Stafford. He has a top two MVP finish. This is already more accolades than Stafford. He just doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. Now, granted, his passing stats aren't what Stafford's are. You know, he never threw for 4,000 yards in a season. Uh, his most touchdown passes in a year was thirty was 31. But also the era wasn't quite as pass-happy. When Stafford came in the league, McNabb was coming out of – Stafford was drafted in 2009. McNabb's last year in the league was 2011. And yeah, so, he was on his way out in 2009. He was on his way out. He was on his way out. I, and now, in this era of passing, it's not that impressive to me if you throw for 4,800 yards and 35 touchdown passes because everybody's doing that shit. Everybody does it now because the, the rules for quarterbacks are so much simpler. But I, he's been the one Pro Bowl, man. So that, that I know. And that, he's been in the league long enough for that's kind of like, that's kind of shameful that you have only made one Pro Bowl since 2009. Yeah. One Pro Bowl since, since then. And you know, I, I mean, you know who else has won Super Bowl? A championship? Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. You know who else has it and he has more Pro Bowls than uh, than Matthew Stafford? Brad Johnson. Yeah. Brad Johnson's been to two Pro Bowls and he's got a Super Bowl ring. Brad Johnson led the league in passing, like, I think two years. I believe two or three years. Even. No, I think only one season he led the league in passing in 1999. Uh, wow, okay. But that's why we need producer. Another guy. Let me tell you, Rich Gannon won an MVP in 2002. He yeah. finished. He finished in the top five in 2000. He made a Super Bowl team twice. He made four Pro Bowls. He didn't win a Super Bowl. Rich Gannon in the Hall of Fame. And his, already his credentials are better than Matt, than Matthew Stafford's because he's got an MVP, he's got four Pro Bowls, and he's got two All Pro teams. 
Well, I don't know, man. I, I, I hate to say it, but at this time, uh, I have to – See, Stafford is still 33, right? He's probably so, got like six seasons left. He's probably got five good seasons Yeah, left. exactly. So the next five seasons make or breaks his haul, you know. Uh, yeah, if he wins another Super Bowl, I think he's a lock. I think he's Another a lock. Super Bowl is a lock? So two rings, one Pro Bowl, no MVPs is a lock? I don't know, man, because I guess he doesn't he doesn't have Super Bowl. He didn't even win Super Bowl MVP this time around. That's what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm trying to say. He, he, not only did he not contend ever for a regular season MVP, he didn't even win the, the Super Bowl MVP. And then Eli Manning, who nobody wants to really put in the hall, but he's got four Pro Bowls and two and two Super Bowl rings. And he's got a Super Bowl MVP. And he's got two Super Bowl MVP. Sorry, two Super Bowl MVPs. I take that back. Yep. All right, so this was brought to my attention uh, on Twitter. I was interacting with some fans, and I, I promised we were going to do meme tweets, uh, but that's going to be saved for Friday's show because um, we're already getting low on time. Uh, but and we got a lot more to cover. Um, Calvin Johnson played for a better team. Would he be considered the greatest wide receiver of all time? And I pointed out to the fact that, look, Calvin Johnson, even though the Lions weren't great, he still had Matthew Stafford throwing him the ball, which which helped things. I said my argument was if Larry Fitzgerald, who's already probably going to go down as a top five receiver of all time, top six, had better quarterbacks throwing him the ball, his stats would be off the charts. But uh, so what do you think is more important? Uh, having a having, if you're a receiver, is it being on a good team or is it having a great quarterback or a good quarterback? I should say. See, I think that uh, you know, for a receiver to be considered, you know, uh, you know, the best or, or top tier in their position, what you just mentioned, you know, Larry Fitz had a bunch of bum QBs throw to him over the years, right? You know, yeah. um and yes. Uh, Calvin Johnson had Matt Stafford, who was the number one pick, uh, you know, um, for for the draft. He was the number one, the first QB taken in the, in the first overall pick. So, uh, you know, a lot of weight on his shoulders to turn a franchise around. Obviously, good good enough talent to get him those that, those kind of numbers, right? Sure. But yes, if you gave Larry Fitzgerald like a Brett Favre, not a Brett Favre. I, I'm, I'm even I'm gonna go like one tier even lower. That's like. That's like hall level, right? So if you if you go yep. mid tier, if you give yeah. him a Philip Rivers, bro, for his entire career, oh, yeah, my God, eye popping stats, bro, eye popping, eye popping. I just want to point out the two times that he actually had quarterbacks, Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer. Here were his numbers. He went off. He went off. I know. Ninety six catches with Kurt Warner, fourteen hundred yards, twelve touchdowns, and then ninety seven catches, one thousand ninety two yards, thirteen touchdowns. Those were his two seasons with Kurt Warner. Then you that was him. also like on the on the later end, actually. Yeah, that was also yeah that wasn't prime Kurt Warner with the Rams. That was that right. Was, that was that was later end Kurt Warner. So he he could still sling it, but he's not he's not MVP, the greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner. Then you give him Carson Palmer three seasons, one hundred nine catches, one thousand two hundred fifteen yards, nine touchdowns, hundred seven catches, one thousand twenty three yards, six touchdowns, hundred nine catches, eleven hundred yards, six touchdowns. Then you look at the in-between when you had John Skelton and fucking Matthew Leinhart and Derek Anderson and Josh McCown throwing on the ball. And this man still put up 100 catches, 96 catches, 103, 97, 90. Then he had some 80, 71, 82s, uh, 63 rolled in there when I think he just had shit shit quarterbacks. But, dude – caught 1,432 balls in his career, and I believe, like you said, if you give him just, like, a Stafford or a Philip Rivers or even a Carson Palmer for his whole career, Larry Fitzgerald's stats are going to be off the charts. But even if you go, like, to, like, uh, like a Ben Roethlisberger, right? Yeah. Roethlisberger's two chips, um, they weren't purely on his doing, right? Defense, run game. A lot of other things were going on with that team, yep. but oh, if you gave, if you just took Ben Roethlisberger as a player and gave him to Larry Fitzgerald, again, 
the numbers would be silly. Berger was a six-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion. He never made a first-team All-Pro. Now, to me, the All-Pros is not the end-all, be-all because they only take one quarterback, and there's only two All-Pro teams, first and second team. That's it. So if you play in the AFC or during that Roethlisberger's time, there's Peyton Manning, there was Tom Brady, there was Drew Brees, there was a lot of guys. I don't, I don't hold all pro for quarterbacks as the end all be all because there's only two quarterbacks selected every year. Yeah, it's a, that's a, that's a tough position to fill. It's Especially a tough with so many great quarterbacks. Someone's going to get cut, right? Exactly. But Roethlisberger at least made six Pro Bowls and he won. He went to three Super Bowls and he won two. So I think, I mean, for Stafford. It's not the lack of all pro teams. I can get by that. It's the lack of Pro Bowls. One Pro Bowl? Andy Dalton made four. That's surprising to me. Exactly. You have Andy Dalton that made four. You have you have you have other other players. Dalton Andy Dalton made sorry, three three Pro Bowls. Three. Still. Andy Dalton, we know what Andy Dalton is. Andy Dalton's not going to Canton anytime soon. He's not. I mean, I, all right. We got to get on to the next one. We got 12, 12 minutes left. <laughs> we're going on rants here. So we're going on rants. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, I don't know how much you studied the upcoming draft or if you paid attention to things, but do you see a franchise-changing quarterback in this draft, a la a Josh Allen, a Joe Burrow, an Andrew Luck, a anybody like that? Do you see one of those quarterbacks in this draft? Sam, you there? Did we lose you? Sam. Maybe not. Maybe Sam dropped. So uh, what I was going to say is I don't think we have a single – we don't have a single franchise quarterback. coming. A, a lot of people are high on Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, but I, I'm not sold on Malik Willis. I don't I don't see him as I, – I, Malik Willis feels a lot like a guy that's going to be out of the league in about four years. Do you I, think I, so? Do you think so? Oh, you were, have you been talking about mute this whole time? Yeah, I have, actually. Okay, because I asked you if there was any franchise quarterbacks, and there's dead dead silence. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I was t- definitely talk, talking on mute. So, um, <laughs> anyways, technical mishaps. This is why we need a producer. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, anyway, uh, what I was saying is I don't see Malik Willis. Malik Willis feels a lot like a – God, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, it, to me, he feels like kind of like Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod Taylor, I know, has hung on to the league for years now. Uh, he's been, he's started. been a journeyman. He's, he's definitely been like, you know, he was drafted by Baltimore, I think, out of Virginia Tech, like in the fourth round or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's bounced around. He's been around the league, and and he's started here and there. But I feel like Malik Wilson is a worse version of that, or Malik, Malik Willis. He's six foot one. He's stockier than Tyron Taylor. Tyron Taylor only weighed about 195 pounds when he was drafted, and uh, Malik Willis is 215. Uh, he's got a. Now I'll say this: Malik Willis has a higher completion percentage than Tyron Taylor does. Tyron Taylor. Completed roughly about 59% of his passes at Virginia Tech. But Malik Willis is doing this at Liberty, going up against small-time competition. And Malik a, lot Willis, le- a lot less um, – you won't see top-tier talent, right? Exactly. No, not, at the, not in the conference that Liberty plays. And he still – this past year, he only completed 61.1% of his passes. And yeah, that's, that, I, that's kind of – that's very iffy. To, you know what? You know how people have been saying the last couple of years with Jordan Love and Trey Lance and yeah. before that Carson Wentz and Josh Allen, 
they all had terrible, you know, accuracy, you know, uh, percentages, right? Um, they were overlooked. Those accuracy percentages were overlooked um, for their big arm and everything else. So far, on, on, on how many levels has it worked out, really? Josh Allen, yes, it's worked out for him. Somehow they, got, they were able to, you know, channel his, his arm and get, him, get his receivers. They, they gave talent to, to him as well. They drafted a bunch of good people. They got him Stephon Diggs. Um, they got him a reliable person like Cole Beasley out of the slot. They did a lot for him. But, like, all these other players, have they really, you know, besides maybe Carson Wentz, you could say, yeah. But, like, no. Pre-injury. Pre-injury. Okay, fine. But, but so in my opinion, I look at that percentage and I'm like, that's a big flag if it's terrible, right? Below average. Right. I mean, I mean, hell, all we have to t- take is I'll, I'll show you. I'll pull Matt Coral, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler. All these guys were terrible. By, by the way, I want to say Matt Coral. The last two years playing in the SEC. Now, mind you, he plays in the SEC West, which means he has to play Alabama and Auburn and Texas A&M. In 2020, he completed 71 percent of his passes, and wow. in 2020. And then 2021, he completed 68% of his passes playing wow. in the yeah, That's wild. And, and, and I like Matt Coral. I think Matt Coral, though, to me, Matt Coral is a quarterback that I believe will need talent around him. He will be like an Andy Dalton-type quarterback who, yeah, he might be good enough to take your team to the playoffs, but he has to be on a very good team to do it. He's not going to be able to go into a franchise and, and elevate the franchise. He's not that guy, but he's a guy that if you get him on your team and you surround him with talent, he's good enough to probably get you to the playoffs and be a solid starter for about 10 or 12 years, but he's not going to be the guy. He's not going to be an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or a Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. He's not going to be the guy that elevates your franchise. Or even like a, like a Herbert, right? Yeah, or Justin Herbert, exactly right. He's not going to be the guy that elevates your franchise, but he's, he, he'll be a guy like a Joe Flacco, like an Andy Dalton. Uh, Alex you know, Smith, game manager. Alex Smith, where if you surround him with talent, he's good enough. Even a Jimmy Garoppolo, if you surround him with talent, he's good enough to get you there, but he's he's not he's – not, Elite, I should say. And I really I, like Chris Olave, man. What's that? I really like Olave. I like Olave too. A lot. Uh, As a receiver, like I wish the Jets take him. They're not. Looks like uh, a guard and uh, or tackle, tackle and D end is what we're going with four and ten. Okay. Okay. Well, probably because I feel like you can get a receiver in the second or third round. That would be because they. Yeah, I but Olave's going to be gone by then. He will be gone. He'll be gone, but they still got Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. And, well, neither and, one of them are number ones, though, by I, themselves. That's I the thing. We need a number one, dude. I think Elijah Moore is a number one. Could be. Um, could be. Could turn out very well. Could turn out to be if he's, like, you know, injury-free and everything else. Yeah, I'm I'm high on Elijah Moore, who also played with Matt Coral at Ole Miss. So. Yeah, and he played really well with him. He did. He really did. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm looking at the Kenny Pickett's, Desmond Ritters, the Matt Corals, the Malik Willis's. I'm like, I don't, I don't the Jets should take Coral. They already got, they're not going to take Coral when they already spent, when they already spent. Drop Flacco uh, and, and just pick up and have him as a, instead of having Mike White, bro, I would rather have Coral. Coral's going to be gone in the first round. The Jets aren't spending yeah, the first yeah, true, 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 true. To me, you know what this quarterback class reminds me of? 2011. Okay. 2011, here were the quarterbacks taken in the first round. Cam Newton, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert. Oh, my God, disgusting. Christian Ponder. All starting. They all started for their team for more than one year. Yeah, they all started. Those were the those were the quarterbacks taken. Now and then Andy Dalton was like the third pick of the second round. Okay, so let's just lump Andy Dalton in with those quarterbacks because he started in Cincinnati for about eight years, eight nine years. Cam Newton was the best of the bunch, but even Cam Newton, 
he's dude is out of the league right now, and he's like thirty one years old, and he's a former MVP winner. And he's a former MVP. He's a former MVP winner. But the man, the man is the man is thirty. Sorry, he's thirty two years old, and he's out of the league. He and and Cam Newton also he went to three Pro Bowls. Uh, he won MVP one year, and yeah, and, and he had a. I would say he had a solid career. Uh, I, Cam Newton's not a Hall of Famer in my record book. He's not. He still has he still has the record for like uh, rushing yardage. Yeah, but he, to me, Cam Newton's not a Hall of Famer. I'm no. sorry, I don't see it. And uh, that's what this class reminds me of. 2011. One of them might be like Cam Newton. Might have a close to MVP year. Maybe take their team to a Super Bowl but be somewhat forgettable for the rest of it. And then the rest of them are going to be a bunch of bums. You know, maybe Matt – so maybe Matt Corral is the Cam Newton. Maybe Matt Corral ends up being Could the be. Cam maybe, be. maybe Kenny Pickett is the Andy Dalton. And then the rest of them are going to be out of the league like Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbert who bounces around in his career backup pretty much. So, yeah. I don't know, or you know, who was who was worse, Christian Ponder? Christian Ponder might have been the worst quarterback. Christian Ponder or Jake Locker? Who's the worst quarterback of those they're, two? They were both terrible. Man. Yeah, and Jake terrible. Locker was. They're both. They were top twelve picks. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I can't believe that they actually played as long as they did. And if you look at, but if you look at the 2011 draft, Sam's quarterbacks. It's loaded with guys that are likely going to the Hall of Fame. Let me just let me just read off some of these names real quick. Von Miller, AJ Green, Marcel Darius, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, JJ Watt. Whoa, loaded everywhere else. Ty- Tyron Smith, Mike Pouncey, Robert Quinn. Cameron Hayward, Muhammad Wilkerson, Kyle Rudolph, Randall Cobb, Justin Houston. Loaded with talent. Loaded with talent. Loaded. Every, I mean, I, I would say A.J. Green's a fringe Hall of Famer. Fringe. Probably not going to get in, but he's close. But you have to say that Von Miller, Julio Jones, J.J. Watt, or Patrick Peterson Martin. also. Patrick Peterson also. And Patrick Peterson also, they're they're locks for the hall. Yeah, I would say so. I would definitely say that. And then here's a guy that was also in that draft class, and if he wasn't such a knucklehead, probably would have been Antonio Brown. Alden Alden Smith. Oh, Alden Smith. I'm sorry. What am I saying? Alden Smith would probably be a Hall of Famer if he wasn't a knucklehead. Yeah, the guy had like 32 sacks in his first three years. Yeah. This show's almost over already. I, I just can't believe it. This this it doesn't feel. All right, last thing, uh, last thing, and uh, uh, we'll get to some shit later on uh, on Friday. Uh, what's your what's your take on Flores? I think it's a great signing for uh, you know the, the Steelers. Uh, they have uh, they've paired a uh, you know a coach within Mike Tomlin. You know, with um, someone like Flores, their defense needs it. You know, they have T.J. Watt. They still have, you know, they have such a good defense, but I, I don't think they're they're playing up to par. So I think he he'll make the players play harder. For him. that's yeah. what he does wherever he goes. So um, it's good that he has Tomlin there. Yeah. Who knows? You know, playing under Tomlin for the next couple of years might raise his coinage. You know, sure. Or if Mike Tomlin decides he's going to retire. Maybe Flores steps up. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. That's a possibility as well. Just kind of w- the way that uh, Bill Cowher mm-hmm. stepped down and Mike Tomlin kind of stepped in, right? Yeah, because Mike Tomlin's been there for how many years now? I, I know he's still relatively young because I think Mike Tomlin's only like thirty-four when he took over. Yeah, Mike Tomlin's only forty-nine years old, but he's been the Steelers' head coach since two thousand seven. So this is fourteen years now he's been Steelers' head coach. You know, at some point, Tomlin might decide, I'm still a young man. I'd like to uh, enjoy life a little bit. Right. Well, you know what? Take some time off from coaching until I see a prospect that I'd really like to grow. Yeah. Yeah. 
kind of what kind of what Shanahan did, right? When he left Denver, took some time off, then he went to Washington. Yeah, but I don't know if I see Tomlin coming back to coaching if he leaves Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, I I don't think so either. I don't think so either. All right, guys, that's all the time we got. We will be back with you on Friday. It's a short turnaround. Uh, we only got one day in between shows, so we will see you on Friday. We'll be back with all new content. Uh, please give us a call in if you feel like it, 563-999-3761. We'll talk to you on Friday. Bye, guys.